Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to episode 33 of Merchants of Novigrad, a podcast about everything Gwent. My name is Weisberg, and today I'm being joined by Trovinat, a bubbling Belgian, also known as the Belgian Hesser. And as you guys can see, once again, we have a very unique guest, an alleged vampire, but also, incidentally, the game director for Gwent, Vlad Torzov. How are you doing? Hello, I'm doing great. How are you? Doing pretty good. Uh, chat before we get into it as always a couple of words if you have questions you can ask them and Trovinat or me will try to connect, collect the more interesting ones and answer them on stream. If you can watch right now you can uh, catch this episode either later today or tomorrow on YouTube Spotify and a number of other platforms and yeah if you want to stay in touch offline you can follow us on twitter at novigrad podcast with that being said the first segment of the show what have you been up to vlad how was your vacation oh it was pretty good uh, i went with my family to sicily and uh, that was absolutely amazing uh, maybe it was a little bit too hot for 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 my taste but then again, you know, it's summer, it's supposed to be hot, and uh, the, the funniest thing is that when, when we returned uh, yesterday to Warsaw, it's also hot as hell right, right now here, so, you know, not, not really a big difference when it comes to the temperature, but, you know, the, the views, uh, the food, people, uh, landscapes, yeah, absolutely fantastic. 10 um, out of 10, can recommend. And how long did you stay there? Uh, just uh, just a week. So that's a very short vacation. Yeah, you could say so, but you know, it, it's it's never a good time to to take a longer vacation in Gwent with uh, a lot of moving parts uh, all the time. Yeah, I'm actually wondering how it would work if you decided to go away for like four or five weeks. <clears throat> what would happen to Gwent in that time without Ooh. you being present at the office? I I don't think you know that the something. Some act, something really bad, some some kind of explosion uh, will happen. Um, but that definitely would require a bit more preparation, you know, kind of assigning a deputy, someone who will, you know, take care of the decisions during this time if, if things will, will uh, pop up. But also, truth to be told, even on, on my seven days vacations, I wasn't really, you know, disconnecting and throwing my phone or uh, laptop into the into the ocean. Uh, I was still checking stuff and uh, trying to solve problems because, well, it's a live game, right? So there is no such thing as just going off the grid and saying you, you can't reach me. Did, did you get recognized in uh, Sicily? Oh, no, no. no. I, I'm, I'm not sure that we have that many uh, uh, Italian or specifically uh, Sicilian uh, players. But, you know, people are super friendly in there. So maybe... Maybe if they did recognize me, uh, they, they didn't tell anything. Yeah, it's actually the question that we ask of all devs that are known publicly. Like, have you ever been recognized? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not, I don't remember what the story was exactly, but I think at some point Pavel told us that he was yep. recognized once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember this uh, about Pavel, but uh, I don't think it happened to me uh, like, you know, during my CDPR time. So, you know, I think there's still something to work on, the, the, the publicity part. The, the next milestone. <laughs> yep. 
Let's let's hope it's going to be a friendly interaction. Of course. Because you know, you don't wanna meet an angry guy in the street who's gonna be like, <laughs> I love this card and you ruined it. Well, it's my theory that uh, you know this type existing only in the internet, and it's, it's impossible to meet them outside. So we're good here, I think. All right. Um, you said something about moving parts in Gwent, and I can imagine that right now the clocks are turning at an increased pace because we are just a week away from open number two. Are you looking forward to a little bit more competitive gameplay? Oh yeah, like you know, when you mentioned the the clocks, which are you know moving faster, like somehow uh, I immediately thought about the last uh, season of Stranger Things, and you know the, all these ominous clocks ticking and uh, bells ringing. I don't know if you guys already watched it. Uh, no, no spoilers, but like that that that's very you know, prominent part of the 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 new villain. Uh, yeah, speaking of uh, open. I'm super excited to see more competitive play. I'm really curious about like what kind of decks and what kind of strategies uh, players will bring uh, on the current meta. And you know, I was, was saying this before, of course, like our strategy with uh, the timing of opens this year is that we always have one event just before a big card release. So supposedly, uh, or the intention is, is that. Uh, like more established or settled meta uh, will be present on, on this tournament. So hopefully it will be the case on, on 10.6. But it's also kind of our, our last chance to see like what players uh, came up with, uh, what, what is like the conclusion of the, the three months period uh, from, the, from, the last, um, from the last card drop, which you know shaking the meta usually quite significantly. I really like the fact that the tournament is just a few days before the patch, because normally when a tournament is, let's say, at the beginning of a patch, people often complain, okay, so now we are going to have a tournament meta for the reminder of the season, and now it's just going to be a few days and we get an expansion, so meta will shift once again. It's kind of like a final exam, right? Like you have a semester, you're... you're learning stuff and you're, you're, you're experimenting with the strategy, etc. And then open is kind of like the, the final test for, for all players who qualified to refine their strategies, to come up with the best lineups and then uh, try to, to get into the masters. Well said. Yeah, we, we, we kind of already mentioned angry people on the internet, but uh, we noticed that you were uh, more and more active on social media, especially on Twitter. How has your experience been over there? Well, I feel that uh, maybe I'm not uh, as active as I want to be. And it actually, that goes both for uh, social media and, uh, you know, playing Gwent. But I, I think you, you guys will you'll be asking me about this later. Uh, but uh, yeah, like to me, this is, you know, a very important part of the job, actually. And uh, this trend... I feel, at least in Gwent, was started by Jason when uh, he became um, a game director and uh, kind of the shift in, in, in the communication was very visible as he was a really public, uh, outspoken person uh, during his, his Gwent tenure, uh, addressing problematic things, hyping the exciting things, just doing some crazy stuff as, as only Jason can do. And, and I think it was very cool because it, it kind of builds the 
relationship with the community and it also uh, sends the message that you know the game director is not some disconnected dude in the ivory tower who you know doesn't know what's going on on the ground and uh, you know had the, have his or her head in the cloud no it's not really the case like we all game directors went you know less known and, and more known uh, they were in like very curious about what's going on in the community, what's going on uh, in Gwen. So, as far as I know, everybody was uh, like you know at least reading Reddit. Not not everyone was uh, posting there or regularly communicating. But I, I feel that being out there helping players that have questions or they're confused about something, maybe they have a, a legitimate complaint, like for example about the bug or. I don't know some some problematic card, etc. It's it's very important to give them a chance to to be heard, to be listened, not necessarily immediately acted upon. But the 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 important part is that we always listen. We do not always you know jump. We do not have this kind of a knee jerk reaction to, towards everything. It would be pretty terrible if we would react to pretty much you know every uh, every single kind of you know. SOS signal because sometimes they're super conflicting, right? Like one person can ask for a buff, another one can ask for for a straightforward nerf of the same card or deck. Uh, there are no two same opinions on the topics uh, very often. But yeah, it's very important for us to to ensure that we do understand what's what's going on at any given moment, uh, like in in the broader uh, sense. Yeah, it's also been really refreshing to see like more of the the internal dialogue on like the release notes there's a lot of extra information on your motivation and stuff like that uh so i think every bit of information that we get on, on your reasoning behind changes is uh, always appreciated um yeah we're kind of slowly already rolling into the the topic of gwent itself uh so uh let, let's head straight into that directly um so let's start with the, the 2022 roadmap um, are you happy with how things are progressing right now? Yes and no. Uh, yes, when it comes to the, all the major milestones, which we uh, like put on the roadmap uh, at the end of uh, last year and, and uh, presented it on, on our stream in December, we are, going, we are going according to the schedule. What I mean by that is, uh, well, we still have the, our monthly updates uh, we successfully released uh 10.4 uh forgotten treasures update which brought more um cards to the game uh we are also on track with uh 10.7 uh that will bring even more cards to to the to the pool uh of, of went cards we also uh successfully re-released uh all the journeys that was a pretty big undertaking it might look like a trivial thing, right? Like we already had these journeys before, right? No, no big deal. Let let just you know press the, the button re-release, and that would be it. But in reality, it took many months of very hard work and solving many technical challenges of how to actually build the system in which players will be freely will be able to freely switch between journeys, right? And then progress at when one at the time, but still it was very important for us to give this flexibility. Also, the, the new system, which uh, would allow to fast travel for scraps, which is also, you know, a lot of players were, uh, veteran players especially, were asking, uh, give us some opportunity to, to spend scraps, right? So that, that was important for us to, to do. 
So that's talking about things I'm happy about. Uh, things which I'm not very happy about is, uh, you know, there, there are, let's say, some long time ago promised things, like, for example, promification of the tokens, right? It doesn't make me proud or it doesn't make me happy that we, we're not uh, able to put our focus or our attention to this topic enough. Like we have other uh, priorities with reworks or adding new cards, which are kind of uh, preventing us from doing this. And uh, there is also, you know, some some kind of uh, sometimes you know smaller delays or emergencies happening. Like for example, uh, with uh, the um, the upcoming Black Sun expansion, um, there is one unfortunate thing which uh, I don't think we I don't think we mentioned before, but I can mention it now is that uh the 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 premium cards like all cards will be will be premiumified for like they, they will have a premium premium version but uh like when you're will be previewing uh premium cards uh in full screen initially uh there won't be uh, a sound design for this like we 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 hit like a pretty significant bump on the road uh, with our audio team in terms of like the schedule of delivery of this so we 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 had to make a very difficult decision to uh, basically postpone adding the the sound for for this premium versions uh later right so we will release these cards but they will be without sound uh i think until the the next update pretty much so you see like the the, the glass is half full always but there yeah. there are good things there are bad things but overall we we this train is going according to the schedule all right um you mentioned journey so the next question is going to be um somewhat connected to that because i want to mm -hmm. ask uh how far ahead are you planning are you planning beyond 2022 because i'm pretty sure that at some point i think it was on twig pavo said you are already having plans for brand new journeys in 2023 uh hmm Okay, sure. So let me start with the first part of the question regarding like our horizon of planning. It's usually, um, it's usually more than one year, but for super high level stuff, right? Like for example, if we would consider releasing Gwent on a new platform, it would be something that we would start discussing, you know, years ahead, like as a kind of a destination where where we want to arrive eventually. When when it comes to uh, like more detailed plan, um, like what what exactly will be delivered at, 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 with which updates uh, in which format, etc. Uh, I would say that our precise planning is probably uh, stretches for one year period, right? So like that, that that's where we we know more or less of uh, what and when uh, we're going to add. And talking about uh, journeys, I'm not sure exactly what what, what Pavel was saying. So sorry about that. If, if I will be contradicting a little bit, the the thing is we have like a lot of R and D uh, ideas in development. What 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 it means essentially is that we have some sketches, we have some mockups, we have some ideas and exploration regarding how. Know, particular journeys, particular vanity items for for these journeys might look like, but it it doesn't mean exactly that those are developed or they're ready to be implemented or they're ready to be put on the roadmap. Basically, we we kind of you know working 
um, for uh, for the backlog, so to say, that we can go back to these ideas when when the time will come and uh, start developing them, you know, putting them into real shape. It's not a very serious question, but somebody in chat asked, "Road journey when?" That'll be fun, isn't it? Uh, well, hopefully one day. I'm not sure how to answer this, but I'm not sure how it how it even how how that would even work. Like, what kind of taunts would would Roach have, or what kind of effects? Oh, you could you could use his voice from Blood and Wine. <laughs> yes, yes, true. There was this one quest. Oh yeah, that was a hilarious quest. But yeah, you know, this is actually the, the, the good example of things which are are cool and exciting because they're they're not easy to do. It's not just some kind of a copy paste approach in which we're just you know taking one character, replacing it with another, and it's pretty much you know same animations, same uh, customization options, etc. Like if someone would really study all all our journeys and how they're changed uh, over the years. You can probably see that we're experimented a lot and we're innovated a lot with every one of them, right? Like uh, with with the last one with Dandelion, for example, uh, released last February, the all the the music instruments, right, and the the ability to to play on them, and actually we recorded different uh, you know sounds to to imitate this uh, infamous uh, shovel. Uh, guitar. I didn't know it, it's actually a thing, right? That you can actually play on on the shovel with strings in real life. But apparently, there are some YouTube videos on this topic. So, uh, yeah. And and previously to that, you know, Regis with multiple forms, like his like his giant bat and his then uh, humanoid form and all this. It's crazy. Like the the amount of innovation that the team is doing is like absolutely mind blowing. Yeah, it's been really cool to see that evolution and, and shifting of folks. Some some journeys had more card back, some journeys added music and yeah, it's been really cool to see that change over the over the course of the yeah, past year and a half by now. Since the, the first Carol journey. Yeah, I think for if I remember correctly, first Carol journey it's April twenty twenty. Could it be? I think it could. I think yeah, um, but yeah, and if, uh, about journeys in general, were you happy with the the feedback you received on the return of journeys and the new progression system? We talked about it a little bit already, but pretty much. Uh, I mean, journey as um, as a product or, or journey as a progression system, I think is absolutely fantastic. It's it's kind of difficult to imagine that you know. Back in the day, we, we used not to have them, and uh, the, the progression system which we had was still you know, liked by player, nobody was you know, rebelling much, etc. I guess it was still generous, and you could still kind of get um, like a lot of resources with it, but there was no, not, not very exciting, uh, or the, the feeling of progression was not that visual as it mm -hmm. is right now. And of course, to me also personally, it's very cool that it's connected to the beloved characters, it's connected to the, the story. Uh, I, I really like the fact that, you know, many games have battle passes, but I feel that our, our own kind of unique spin or twist on, um, on it with journeys is that they're so story heavy, 
and that they also like made with this great attention to the characters. Like I, I, the, the good example is that when we released um, Yennefer Journey, I, uh, there were quite a lot of people complaining that uh, you know all her outfits are really boring, and the, the most popular was like, it's only black and white. I mean, come on, why you you can't give her you know nice dresses like Triss? Like the why. Like they all look look the same, and that was really important for us because we wanted to keep uh, the the fantasy of this is Yennefer, even if mm-hmm. the the outfit is like not even from uh, from The Witcher Three, not known from the video games. It's still Yennefer and still her style, and it's it's kind of you know relevant. So yeah, I I'm I'm very happy with Journey. I think it's uh, it's a great product. It's great value for money also for players. Uh, I think Definitely. we we tried to calculate it once, and it was like for ten bucks. Essentially, you're getting I think around two hundred bucks of value. If I, you will, of course, right? Like, well, we'll just sum up everything that you you can unlock uh, mm-hmm. in one hundred levels. I I did the calculation once, and you're pretty close to uh, to that that uh, total estimate there. So, yeah, it's definitely extreme value. I was. I think everybody was really excited from the first journey onwards. And I wonder, did, did you also get a lot of um, questions when you released the Yennefer journey about why is Triss not first or stuff like that? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, sure, it's always a competition uh, yeah. in there. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't remember if we had like a very serious debates within the team about the, the correct order. But, uh, you know, maybe considering that Jennifer is kind of, a, you know, the, from the books kind of a canon love mm-hmm. interest of Geralt, it was quite obvious choice for us that uh, she will be the, the next in line after uh, Geralt and Ciri. Yeah, it instantly reminded me of what uh, the Foxbride, who was our previous guest, had to say about uh, Triss and Geralt. And he used quite a few unparliamentary words to describe mm-hmm. what Triss actually is in the books. Um, but yeah, you said that a lot of people were uh, displeased with the Yennefer journey. And, you know, it's actually what you said earlier about people often being uh, displeased with certain cards or certain themes or decks. And then you have the other group of people who are absolutely happy about the same things. And it's it's also the case when it comes to journeys because people, some people complain about Yennefer journey not being uh, very colorful, let's say. But I enjoyed it for its minimalism. And I think a lot of people like the fact that the, the the choices that you get the the outfits and, and and all that stuff are very minimal and are not very invasive like they they don't sh- shift the focus from the board to uh your leader character yeah like you know the, the, i think that the problem with uh, the, that you described with, with journey is we also saw kind of after reggae's journey into dandelion i think what we did with dandelion i mentioned already was 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 very cool. Not only the music instruments, also the fact that you can. Uh, Dandelion was the first journey where you can uh, not change the, the whole outfit, but actually you know have two halves, right? So you can select different pants or no pants, uh, uh, and and the, the like the upper body uh, clothes. And I, I feel that it was completely went under the radar. Why? Because 
like according to, to the popular uh, community sentiment, with Regis, we kind of raised the bar of, you know, like having multiple, not, not just skins, but multiple models within the same journey. And nobody actually asking the question, like, is it, does it uh, make sense for Dandelion to have multiple models or it's not needed there? And it was, was making sense for Regis. That's why we, we decided to go extra mile and do this. But there is a very strong feeling sometimes in Gwent community of kind of, you know, us setting the precedent. And whenever we are uh, deviating from this precedent, it always creates the problem, even if it's completely justified uh, from the internal perspective. So yeah, that, that, that's happening sometimes. And even for something like, like Dandelion, if you change his clothing, that's also a different model. I mean, talking from experience, that's a lot of work going into just that it, as well. It, it's, it's absolutely is. Yes, it's, 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 not, uh, it's not a straightforward thing. Like, and to me, the, the, you know, really, when we're talking about the community feedback, like, guys, you can be like, as critical as you want. You can you know, say bad things about us, etc. But whenever people are saying that developers are lazy, that hurts the most because mm -hmm. there is nothing more further from the truth. Uh, well, at least as far as Gwent is concerned. Maybe there are some lazy developers somewhere in this world. Although I don't think, like, in, in, game, uh, in video games industry, a lot of lazy people are working. I don't, I don't believe so. Like, most people I know from this company and from others are, like, super passionate about what they do, and they're super hardworking. And if something not going according to the plan, it's not because people were lazy or, I don't know, Flipping at the wheel or anything like that. Sometimes it just it could be out of this creative people's control, uh, and uh, sometimes it can be just that they're not being appreciated enough by by the end users, by by players. Happens well, also. Oh yeah, that's that's a, that's a known phenomenon. I would say that people who are not publicly visible are often underappreciated for the work. Um, but continuing the topic of of uh, journeys and microtransactions, as the game director, mm -hmm. how do you envision the future of cosmetics? Well, when we uh, when we said uh, for this year that our plan is to uh, re-release the the old journeys to make them available again, uh, there were a few kind of commitments that we made. First was that uh, we will add new content. To, to these uh, old returning journeys, which you guys already saw uh, for, for Geralt and Siri, We are planning to keep it up and uh, make things interesting for uh, upcoming returning journeys as well. So that, that's, uh, that's that. There is the second uh, commitment which we made is that we are not stopping producing uh, out-of-journey vanities, which, I don't know, maybe a bit of a spoiler, like with... 10.7, there is also quite, uh, quite nice and juicy uh, vanishes are coming our way. So um, we'll continue to release vanity items, uh, which are not connected to any specific journeys throughout the year, to celebrate hard drops, or you guys also saw the, uh, the challenge which we just had uh, with uh, Yan, Tris, and Shani. So that was another example. I have a feeling that people were not expecting us to to, to do it, and that was nice uh, feeling that we managed to 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 do a nice surprise. 
So yeah, like sure, not only uh, vanities for sale, but also those that are completely uh, possible to unlock for free by just by playing the game is something that we we will continue to uh, to add to the game. As uh, like, what's our kind of next move after we will re-release all existing journeys? Uh, that that's too early to say as of now. All right. Um... You also mentioned uh, an additional sync for for uh, for experienced players to use their currency, yeah. um, and, and that's going to be our next question, because microtransactions sometimes offer currency rewards. Sometimes it's directly, like the meteorite powder. Sometimes it's indirectly because you are getting kegs, and kegs are ultimately yeah. giving you scraps. Uh, do you intend to add more currency sinks in the future for, for experienced players? And, and is there anything you can share with us at the moment regarding that? Well, I, I can confirm basically what I was saying before to people asking the same question, that yes, uh, with uh, fast travels for scraps, we're not stopping. Uh, we, we, we do not consider you know, that the problem is solved with it because we do realize that, uh, especially for players who manage to level up uh, you know, without fast travel, uh, well, level up by any means, really. Their journeys in the past, it's not really relevant, right? Like, they can still sit on their huge uh, crap stockpiles uh, and they do not feel that it's a kind of a relevant thing for them. So we are considering more things. No, no additional details, but uh, for for this year, I think it, it's it's uh, going to be possible. It should be possible for us to offer something uh, for players in this direction as well. Yeah, well, we brought this up because currency sinks are something that the community uh, historically has been very vocal about. And my next mm -hmm. question is, uh, what's your overall position on community feedback, especially when it comes from, let's say, anonymous players? So players who are not streamers, are not YouTubers, uh, players who you don't personally know, you don't know their face. So let's say people on Reddit or Twitter or, or any other yeah. platform. Well, the short answer, we're using it all the time. Uh, I, it's it's kind of hard to, you know, to put a, put a number on it, uh, but my gut feeling is that out of every things, uh, all, all the things, all the features, all the uh, new ideas which we implemented, maybe quality of life improvements which we implemented uh, in Gwent, I have a feeling that maybe the percentage of those that were suggested by people that we know, as you said, you know, streamers, pro players, you know, someone from the inner circle, and people that we don't personally know, so like the, the wider community, maybe on Reddit, maybe on forums, maybe on Twitter, would be roughly the same, so 50-50. And that, that's, that's really cool because it shows that, well, we, we don't care what, what is the source the, the idea is coming from. Uh, mm -hmm. the, what really matters is the, the essence of the idea, like do we believe it's relevant? And the second part is something that uh, I know Buja was talking uh, with uh, Rashid on uh, uh, on Twig is, is, is for us it's important is the delivery of this feedback right like there are ways to make your feedback easy to digest and uh, to be maybe even implemented eventually and there are ways to make it more difficult to digest and uh, to be implemented that's why 
sometimes the, the really good idea can be buried in you know such a toxic you know kind of wrapping that it, it's kind of hard to get through to the to the golden core and and the, there are people who are saying that something like along the lines of uh, you know like um, like it, it's our it's our job as a developers you know kind of to to go through this into this depths to for for this kind of golden nuggets of reasons but it, it's i don't i disagree with this i think uh we are interested in this and we are going after this but uh we it, it doesn't have to be delivered in such a way that it you know would, would really uh, take a heavy toll on on us to uh to get through the bottom of this oh Buja is in the chat yep. hey Bura. he is yes he is I'm also wondering, Vlad, um, I suppose nine times out of 10, if you get a suggestion, you probably already discussed it internally because somebody else brought it up. It's it's only... Yes, but there's also, yeah, that there's one out of 10 chance that it will be like yeah. brand new genius ideas. So people shouldn't, uh, you know, be reluctant uh, to post it, right? But uh, mm -hmm. the, the, the different thing is uh, expectations. What, what you're, after you shared your feedback, is it is it already for you as a player as a kind of a feel good moment? Like I did my part. Now it's in the developers' hands and their decision. You know, their their game to to develop or like that's where the sultaness actually starts. Like I shared your idea with you, and how dare you did not implement it? Mm -hmm. I will never ever be playing this game uninstall. Right? That that that's kind of <laughs> different. Two different approaches which uh well both of them are happening yeah it's always about respect right the it is essentially it is it is about mutual respect right mm -hmm. um you said that the split of ideas brought up by um competitive mm -hmm. players streamers and so on and the anonymous uh, part of the community is roughly 50 50. so i want to yeah. ask is this expansion Black Sun in any way inspired by what uh, Dr. Korchit has been doing on Reddit for the past year and a half? Uh, maybe, maybe not. Uh, you know, well, only the time will tell. Actually, the reviews are starting uh, from next week, so starting from tomorrow already. So hopefully, you know, all the, quest all the questions will be answered really soon. All right. Um, delving a little bit more into the uh, the topic of feedback, um, what does the future of the the partner program look like, hmm. and uh, the the road to for a partner to become a, a member of your uh, your inner circle? Right. So with uh, with partner program, um, I don't have a you know very great question because this is something that uh, like Bouge and, and Ryan are kind of you know uh, cooking. Uh, in in their in their uh, comms uh, pots, uh, and uh, I know it, it takes quite a, a lot of time already, and uh, I, I wish we could move faster with it. But uh, my understanding is that with uh, partners program, we are seeing uh, this as a kind of uh, you know kind of um, kind of breeding pool for for good feedback good ideas also for noticing people that maybe are new to the scene right and then we can kind of invite them to the fold uh 
Uh, and basically, the, the partner program, it, it's quite, quite a lot of people in there, I would say, mm -hmm. uh, right now. Not all, let's be honest, like not all of them are super active or not, not all of them are uh, like super engaged. And, you know, I want to say that it's also okay, right? Like we, we do not expect that, that by becoming a partner, someone is kind of selling uh, his or her soul to us and, uh, you know, is, is obliged to stream every day, you know, constantly be happy and, and all this. Uh, but, yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is um, partners is kind of, to us, is a, is a first step of kind of trying to find uh, people that will be working even more closely than with partners when it comes to PTRs, when it comes to uh maybe you know it's about casting opportunities maybe it's about uh, some other activities that we can do together so uh to this, to this part it's it's working already right and uh it, I, I would like to to see it it's still going right and i, I wanted to uh, to continue but i feel that we need to figure out something like how to to maintain the active interest of grant uh, partners and also maybe to, to create more clear set of expectations what it means to be a partner before we will be able to move forward. It's actually Makes funny sense. that you said um, that you can't um, expect people to be constantly happy. Uh, it's actually a running joke among some members of the community that in order to appear on Twig, you have to be constantly happy. But that theory <laughs> was put to rest the moment Rashid made his appearance on the show. Well, I, I saw the theory in, 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 in chat that it wasn't him, it was uh, his, uh, his clone. Uh, but yeah, I think that that's, that's actually super cool. I was watching this, uh, uh, the DoD of, um, of this twig on my vacation, uh, and I think it was a very great and wholesome conversation, which to me is a, is a great sign that, you know, we are not afraid of inviting people and, and I actually it's also great that people uh, are not afraid to you know to come to or to tweaks or to other shows to talk about stuff or to talk about problematic stuff or or you know hot topics etc so yeah for sure like bring it on like we, we can uh, get different people uh, on Twig with different opinions like as long as we can maintain a polite and respectful conversation, right? Like, this is the only filter, I would say. You don't need to be happy, right? You can come concerned. Hopefully, you will, you will live happier than, than you, you were in the beginning. That, that's the goal. Getting the ultimate Buja treatment. Yeah, I mean, how, how is it possible, you know, of coming on Twig and not being kind of, you know, infected by, by Buja's, uh, you know, positive vibes? But I think that that's... That's very um, kind of you know you know his unique trademark feature which he he should use a lot. Oh yeah, he's using it uh, a lot already. I'm not sure if the community can handle even more positive and and, and more <laughs> influential Pavel. We can definitely try. Um, you said something about hot topics and and how you are not afraid to afraid to discuss them so uh so let's delve into such a topic and it's gonna be balance uh Ooh. what's your overall overall balance strategy at the moment is it better to release new or rework cards somewhat 
over or underpowered and then balance them uh, as you go through through small steps? Or are you always aiming to release cards in their most balanced state possible? Right. So I think it's a very interesting question indeed when it comes to new cards specifically, uh, because there's a kind of a conspiracy theory, not only in Gwent, I, I saw it uh, in other card games, so not even card games, like basically for live games in general, uh, that developers on purpose are making, you know, OP stuff to, to sell kegs, champions, heroes, like whatever you're selling, essentially, right? Like the new stuff has to be more powerful than the old. And it's also kind of, the, you know, the whole Fisher Creep conversation also, you know, taking roots into this because, well, obviously, if you're releasing something which used to, well, by, by old standards, is like super OP and doing it all the time, then sure, that this is kind of a textbook definition uh, of, the, of the power creep. Uh, when it comes to Gwent, I don't know if people believe me or not, but uh, we do not have this intention to uh, like overtune the new cards, right? It 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 it's, uh, it might be beneficial in the short term, like right, we can maybe sell a little bit more products related to these cards. But it, it's it's rather, I think, as history is showing, like it's it's rather bad decision in the long run, even in the mid run, because people will quickly get bored by this, it will kind of widen the gap between people who have the access to this new shiny toys and they, they do not. So why is, is it happening then? The reason is, while we don't want to make the new cards necessarily overpowered, we definitely want to make them interesting. And uh, in, in a game such as Gwent, uh, interesting often means doing something which previously you know, no other card or no other archetype, something, you know, completely brand new. So we, we already revealed the, the infusion keyword. Uh, I don't know if we were supposed to talk about it later, but just wanted to, to, to use it maybe as an example. Although I don't know if it's a good example because nobody really understands what, what it is, right? At, at this point, like it, it's, uh, it's vaguely worded and it's uh, much easier to understand by looking at examples, which not revealing today, not yet. Uh, but this is this is to me the example of like you know if our goal would be to play safe, it would mean no new keywords, no you know risky stuff, like basically uh, no cards which are kind of you know twisting the the rules of the game or no cards which are like introducing some difficult decisions or challenges to players. Like very often. Players, when, when they're talking about Gwent, uh, Gwent and they're talking about problems, they're saying this card is unhealthy for Gwent. Or they're, they're saying, like, you know, this like, thing is not what Gwent is. And I always have a problem with this kind of feedback because it kind of implies that the person who is giving this feedback have, you know, the ownership of the definition of what Gwent is. In reality, I think, with, you know, if there's uh, like millions of people, playing Gwent, there are probably millions of different versions of Gwent uh, in terms of like what, what, what it is it's in their perception, right, in their minds. So that's why, uh, yeah, it's actually very, very difficult uh, to, to cater to this audience because everybody have a very different expectations of what, what this game is about, what's essential for Gwent, what uh, is absolutely no-go, right, what's acceptable, etc. And we're constantly trying to uh, expand these boundaries 
Because if we would be following these boundaries, which are you know, set maybe by the most conservative members of the community, I'm afraid that the, the game would be very straightforward and boring in the sense that uh, like all the new cards, all the, all, everything that we will be adding will be just variations of something which you already saw before. And actually, in this case, the, the set rotations would make a lot of sense. Because if we are about to release something that you already had, then why the older and uh, maybe less powerful stuff is existing in the game? Let, let's just rotate it out and add more of the same, but with different picture. Like, is, is that what, what people want? Or they, they want it to be interesting? And by interesting, I mean risky, right? So eventually there might be over two cards, you know, and I, I, I wouldn't be betting my life on the fact that in 10.7, you know, uh, like there won't be any problematic cards whatsoever and nobody would be complaining after a couple of days or a week or a month that, you know, we, we, we uh, released something powerful. It's it just a risk that we're willing to take. We're accepting it fully. Like, if the, the goal of making the game interesting requires this risk, let's, let's roll with it, right? That, that, that's, uh, there's no other way. I think this would be a good moment to play the old clip of Slama complaining about the community feedback. <laughs> that we can never <laughs> release interesting stuff because this and that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, good old chess comparison. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's still true. Like, we are... We want to innovate. Otherwise, we also will be bored, right? Like if, if uh, our mandate would be to, to ensure that the game is balanced kind of, you know, in, in a very mathematical point of view, right? Like if mass would be our driver, then I think it's over. It's, uh, it's a dead end. Yeah, but I think it's also something... Yeah, go on. Uh, yeah, I think it's also something that, that that perception that new cards are stronger than the ones that we had before, it's also something that's fueled by content creators, right? They see the new cards, they're very interesting to play mm -hmm. around with. So the first few videos and deck guys that you see coming out are about those new cards. And in consequence, you see those decks being played a lot. And especially if you're new to the game or or haven't seen what the new cards do, you see those cards, you don't know how to react to them, and then you feel, okay, these cards are overpowered, I can't do anything against that. I think Sehil was a good example of that, the, the changes you did to that. Um, so on that front, how do you balance the interesting design with the perceived idea of what a card should have point potential wise compared to its provisions? Well, I have a feeling that, you know, this, this is a rather technical question, which probably one of our designers would be able to, to answer uh, better than myself. But the, like in, in our conversation with the design team, like they, they we're always discussing that. Uh, and, and also it's a conversation, you know, based on the PTR feedback and based on the, on the, the balance rounds, uh, which we're doing before the release, is that we always fighting to the very last moment to, to keep uh, the card um, interesting and, if possible, also flavorful, that that also can be really important, right? Like, sometimes the, the idea that, you know, the, the card is depicting something, like, I don't know if it's um, a sword, right? Like, it, it needs to, to deal damage, right? Otherwise, it's, it's, it's not a very good sword, for example. Or, or like, the, the Siege Engine, I think, the, the Battering Ram is a very cool... Uh, 
example of you know, like super flavorful mechanical uh, implementations. Like th these are the the things which we're fighting to the very end to keep, and if possible, also to to ensure that like that the power level is not exceeding like whatever the expectation is. But it's also very important to to understand that there is no kind of uh, like a vacuum or or golden standard uh, which we can oversimplify and use as a as a reference point. It's it's very important like in which deck the card is going to see play, right? Like what are the other cards which are existing around this card which will make it stronger, weaker, same level, right? Like what are the literal abilities which uh, would work? And, and somehow amplify with it. So if that will be a very simple number, right? Like, the, okay, so this new cards, it, it plays for, I don't know, 10 points. It means it needs to have like this number of provision. It would be very easy, but it, it's never easy like, like this. Like you know, we can do this calculations to some extent, but they're not super, uh, super accurate. Um. I would like to circle back to, to, to what Trovi said about the, the perception of value, right? Because our, let's, let's look at the Ring of Favor. Okay, it was slightly nerfed, but people still were saying it doesn't mm -hmm. matter, everyone is going to play this card anyway because it plays for so many points. But the moment some pro players, and as a result content creators, stop playing that card, it suddenly disappeared from the vast majority of decks. We saw it multiple times with multiple nerfs, sometimes with buffs too, but I think nerfs are, are more uh, visible in this regard, is that very insignificant mathematically changes, right? Like changing one number of provision, one number of power, whatever, sometimes can have a very drastic consequences. And it's true what you said, because like there, there are people with super analytical minds, right? Like the pro players who are like very good at this game and they're like running this kind of a, the whole uh, calculations in their head and uh, you know, roping to the very limit. I won't say any names, but uh, the like the way they they are breaking down the cards and the way they breaking down the strategies are completely different from like let's say the the majority of players do. But the 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 problem is, or maybe it's not exactly the problem, is that once it's it's uh, broken down and it's existing either as a guide or maybe it's a deck posted on. Uh, Gwent library, like from this point, it, it it doesn't require the same kind of you know difficult thought process from from people. And I'm I know it sounds like I'm saying net decking is bad. Uh, I, I don't because I think net decking is absolutely necessary, especially for new players to to learn the ropes, etc. But I'm saying that uh, it uh, definitely takes away a lot of this intended creativity that we want players to uh, to express and to enjoy when you're just going for the cookie cutter solution you're just you know taking someone else's deck and you're following the step-by-step -step guide uh how to play it of course you will be bored right like the, if you're doing this to yourself like don't complain that uh, this is this is the boring because you didn't uh, do your like intended process of refining you you jump to the to the final stage which was never supposed to be, you know, like an everlasting fun. The fun was something that you decided to skip and maybe missed along the way, right? So that's that's kind of the self-inflicted wound which uh, a lot of people are doing to themselves. Uh, but if you're still enjoying the game, I have no problem with that, right? 
But the moment you start complaining that uh, all the meta is solved so quickly, well, who exactly solved it, right? And who, who participated in this process? It actually takes two. It takes the person who created the guide and it takes the, the person who you know, followed the guide to, 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 uh, to solve this equation. Um, there is actually an interesting question from uh, from chat, and I'm not sure if you'll be able to answer uh -huh. this. But Tikoati asked if it's, it's going to be very specific. If if Aaron died uh -huh. in ten provisions, if it was a nerf you wanted to make, or if it was somehow uh, pushed by the community, it was a nerf that we wanted to make, which was also pushed by the community to some like extreme levels. So. It, it's 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 literally both, but uh, if the, to rephrase maybe the question better, like without the 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 um, super vocal outbreak regarding Arendite, would we nerf it? The answer is yes. Like it's uh, like based on the data alone, we would do it. It just I think that the whole problem started with uh, that people were expecting us to do it earlier, and when we didn't, like you know all the hell bro broke loose. So that was a bit unfortunate, but it was kind of a timeline problem. And does such a thing as community nerf actually exist? Are there nerfs or, or let's say buffs that you uh, that you implemented in the past that were uh, solely pushed by the community even without your uh, data showing you it's the right thing to do? There, there, there are some, I wouldn't call them exactly, you know, community nerfs or, or, or changes, but there are some weeks we introduced, which were not, uh, you know, which, which didn't look like absolutely necessary from the data standpoint, but from the, the uh, sentiments and like this psychological uh, standpoint of, you know, people's enjoyment of the game, they were necessary. I can give you a couple of examples, like uh, Witcher Alchemist was one of those. It's basically was, I think, one where one of the uh first executive decisions i made when uh like the the card was uh, was getting an, an nerfed I, I came to the designers and we we had a long conversation i, I told them that we need to do it right just just trust me like but by swapping the the ability right yeah. uh disconnecting it from the location i mean and uh the second one would be uh, uh would be drill right also maybe uh, Arguably, the card was also very powerful in the tournaments, right? Like we saw in the, the, its influence on the competitive meta, which was, you know, not universal if you look across, across the board. But then there is a problem very unique to Syndicate, for example, where Syndicate is uh, maybe the, the least powerful faction just because how, uh, not powerful, popular. Just uh, by how complicated it is, right? It's very difficult to pilot. It requires like a deep understanding of the game, of the sequencing, uh, etc. Which means that it can perform really well at the very top, and not so much on all other levels, right? So that that's one of the area where we also need to be careful about using the data approach only, where the sentiment and the kind of com competitive uh, temperature check is important. All right. Um, this brings me to the next question because it's also what what chat asked about, right? Because they mentioned a couple of cards like Prince Tennis or the Wolfpack, and the question is, what's your stance on older and underpowered cards, right? Because we just talk about mm -hmm. cards that 
people wanted to see nerfed, but what about buffs? Because there is mm -hmm. a lot of ideas as to why these cards are bad. Some people say they are meant to be bad or niche because they mm -hmm. only work in a very specific setting. Other people are saying um, some cards need to be bad to give new players the sense of progression and expanding their collection. So, so what has the game director... Uh, mm -hmm. uh, what, what, what is the game director going to say about that? Well... I have a short answer, but I think this also could be, you know, kind of topic for a separate episode. Uh, really, if we will be talking about the philosophy of uh, like having a, a bad or like very narrow uh, cards in the game. But the the short answer is yes. When we started uh, the the whole rework campaign, or at least we kind of you know foiled it uh, this year. It was clear that we have a quite a lot of uh, cars or, or full archetypes. It's not about individual cars, right? Like when, when people are saying like, "Oh, buff Wolfpack," and we can do it. And my question would be, would be so what, right? Like, it, the, would it make it like instantly playable if it will be just uh, I don't know, uh, like one more power or or something like that? It, what we're trying to do with uh, reworks and uh, with updates this year in general is to bundle as, as many relevant changes which kind of, you know, play well together as possible. And we, we saw that this approach is, is better than just like, you know, random buff, random nerf uh, here and there. Instead, of we're focusing on particular decks, particular archetypes, particular game plans, uh, trying to elevate them to, to the modern uh, power level. So, like, yeah, in short, I, I hope we will reach the, the point in which uh, there will be maybe very limited number. I'm not saying there will be no uh, weak cards at all, right? Because part of the, the game design philosophy is that you actually need to have a weak cards as well in the game. They, they also kind of used as a, as a stepping stone on maybe the reference points to to understand the power levels of uh, everything else. But as I said, this is a very deep topic, right? Maybe maybe for another day. And as you say, they're, they're used as stepping stones. So it's also something for new players to have a little bit of progression in what kind of cards that they're using. Absolutely, yeah. Like the, you, you're thinking about starter decks, right? It's mm -hmm. also a relevant thing. Like the, sometimes the especially in, in a complex game in, in, as Gwent, if the card is straightforward, maybe, you know, to the point of being slightly boring for experienced user, for a new user, it's a blessing in disguise, right? Like, because you, you don't need to kind of crack your head to, to uh, understand how this super complicated, uh, like, expensive and provisioned card that um, does everything works. You can just focus on your nice uh, pack of, wolf packs and uh, you know have, having fun of discovering a very simple back and forth interactions kind of you know boost and damage etc uh, so yeah there always will be some novice friendly cards and words let's put it this way and I, I can confirm that's a boon to new players I've, I've introduced a couple of my friends to the game and just going with those cards first just makes it really easy to understand the, the base mechanics yep um Maybe in regards to reworking more recent cards, like I think we uh, saw some mentions that Ornate Sensor will be uh, reworked in 10.7. 
Um, yeah. What's your overall take on reworking cards that were released recently? Like, for example, Ornate Sensors three months ago. So, Well, we, we never release cards with the intention to for, for later rework them. Well, mm-hmm. let, let's make this, this one clear. If it happens, it means that, well, it, it, it doesn't perform according to our expectations or to the community expectations or both. Like in this case, I think uh, like in our design team, uh, we do not feel that you know, our hand is being forced here either. So we are reworking it not because someone is unhappy, but because most, most of all, we are unhappy with uh, how it works so far. So if you know, we, we, we are like some days away from releasing 10.7, if there will be a need to rework some of the cards, hopefully not, right? Like, uh, I, I, I want uh, it to be, to be not necessary, but if there will be a need to rework uh, any of the cards we, we're releasing with this expansion, we will do it because the, the keeping the game in, enjoyable is more important than uh, you know, we actually, this is a blessing, right? Like we were not the physical card game. Like if it would be a physical card game, that would be a real pain, right? Like the, the reworking mm-hmm. the card, which you just uh, printed, like in millions of copies, players already have it. Come on, no, this is, this is a nightmare. But we are the digital card game. We should really embrace this uh, huge advantage that we have, right? Like if something is broken, we can, like in a, in a very reasonable time frame, adjust it, and uh, everybody will be happy. So we will continue to do that. Yeah. Since you mentioned that you you there's no real outside pressure to change the cards, what do you base your decision on then to change a card like Ornate Sensor? Is that play rate or oh, something else? Oh, I'm not saying that there's never uh, the the outside pressure to change the card. Sometimes you know the mm-hmm. the, the community can be vocal about like particular pain points. It's, it's, it's more interesting that most of the time we actually agree with this, right? It's, it's, not, uh, it's not like there is this kind of, a, you know, community faction versus death faction we're fighting for over some, um, some concept or, or some, some card. Most of the time we are in agreement that, that things need to be adjusted. What we can disagree with is when, because, well, community always wants it. Right now, now right? Yeah. That now, maybe yesterday also. Uh, and second is how, like the, the ideas of how uh, maybe we are agreeing that the card needs nerf or maybe rework, but not the one that you know someone is suggesting in particular. But it maybe maybe it's something else, which would also make sense with the changes, which with other changes which we are about to introduce, for example, which nobody in the community knows right yet. So that that's that's kind of the the consideration. So yeah, like when it comes to the um, like the sources of knowledge, sure we have our data, we have our um, yeah we have our numbers to to monitor, but we also checking out the sentiment. We're actually looking at what the pros are bringing to qualifiers, uh, what are they bringing to opens. It's like all of this together, I wouldn't say that there's one piece which is significantly more important than others. Oh yeah, and I, I forgot to mention, like we're also playing the games ourselves, right? That, that, that's not uh, <laughs> that, that, that's that's uh, uh, important factor too, and uh, this is subjective uh, kind of a feedback, but so it is the one that we're receiving from the community. Yeah, it's actually um, something that used to be a meme, right? Uh, rank twenty-five 
devs not playing mm-hmm. the game. But you recently said that uh, you made the pro, so uh, I guess that argument is no longer valid. Not, 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 uh, not that it ever has been valid, but when 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 Jason or, or Pavel were streaming, I, they I were don't, like rank twenty five. People got the wrong I, idea. I don't, I don't feel yeah like me getting into the pros uh, are proving anything other than I had a lot of free time on my uh, my hands uh, like back in uh, last December. Uh, actually, that's that's where uh, Regis was introduced and vampires uh, finally become uh, viable, right? And uh, I, I I jumped on this and I basically uh, reached the pro uh, pro rank with vampires. So that was kind of the achievement I wanted to unlock uh, in this game. Uh, but yeah, like truth to be told, that this uh, this is not really a relevant argument because the people who uh, really need to play a lot in order to really understand the meta and understand what's going on both in the pro rank and outside of it designers there they are playing a lot right like uh, it's just not visible to anyone uh they're they're not advertising it they're not kind of discussing it with but uh this is where all the uh kind of a first-hand temperature check or or I'm not saying data collection, but kind of you know impression collection is happening. Mm-hmm. I'm going to digress, but let's assume that a member of the dev team made it to pro, made it to top sixty-four, qualified to a tournament. Is he One eligible to play? No, it's in the rules. Like in, in the rules, we we all are banned from uh, participating in, in the, the CDPR official tournaments. Okay. So, uh, moving on, because we spent quite a bit of time earlier in the stream uh, talking about the roadmap. And I would like to circle back to that topic for a moment. You've mm-hmm. recently said, because it was like a minor controversy, somebody pulled uh, some numbers about uh, how many people are working on Gwen at the moment, and it was fewer people than in the years before. So you said that you the team was scaled down to match the needs. And mm-hmm. what I would like to ask is, is it possible for the Gwen team to grow in the future if those needs change? Sure. Like the, I think it's very straightforward, right? Like the, the optimal size of the team needs to reflect like the, the needs of the project. I think it's, it's relevant for Gwen, it's relevant for any other game being developed or being serviced, right? Like if there's something which we want to do and we don't have people for, I want to point out that we have a couple of uh, open uh, job positions as of now, right? And uh, I think this is uh, like really telling facts that if we need people, we, we are not you know blocked or we were not hesitating to, to look for them because, well, it means that there is a need, like we, we, we can't, do things we want to do, we can deliver what we want to deliver uh, without um, yeah, without these people. So, sure, to answer your question, uh, like in the history of Gwent, we were constantly fluid when it comes to the size of the team, right? So, like, there, there is a I wouldn't say that there is a big deal in uh, like shifting uh, people around, especially within the company itself. Uh, based on the needs either in Gwent or elsewhere. 
and, so and how many people and, and... work on Gwent at the moment, roughly, if you can give that answer? Um, yeah, I, I would prefer not, not to talk about this at this particular moment, but maybe we will you know, come back to this once uh, like we'll be discussing some future roadmaps or something like that. All right. But what's important, if, if there's anybody in chat interested in those open positions, I'm assuming you can find those on the website? Yes. Or... Yes, yes. If, if you will go to the CD Projekt uh, website and look for the careers page, those are listed there. The reason I asked this question was, um, there is this ongoing meme joke. I'm pretty sure some people even take it seriously that Quint is dead. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and they use and they use that data to to prove their point. So um, it's not a very serious question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is there any statistical evidence that Gwent is dying both in present times or historically? Well, I I really don't know how how to answer this uh, not serious question. Um, well, to me, like you know, when people are saying that uh, Gwent or any other. Uh, game is dying or or it's it's or it's dead. This is the question of kind of you know like their their own perception or of uh, their own interest to the game, right? Like if if I don't care about something, it can as well be dead to me, right? There is even like to say you're dead to me now. So uh, I feel that it's kind of a, you know a projection that that's what it is, right? Like if you're feeling that the game is not uh, engaging for you anymore, you're not really uh, as entertained by it as, as it used to be, for example, then, of course, like the, I think the natural human uh, impulse would be to assume that it's not you who changed, it's it just like the game changed for the worse, right? It's, it's, it's not, the problem is not me, the problem is something else or someone else. So in this regard, yeah, it, it's kind of, Pointless, I think, try to uh, convince people otherwise, right? Uh, if if to, to someone Gwent is dead, then it probably is. Yeah, out, out of sight, out of mind. Arena uh, is dead. Yeah, that's, that's uh, I see the, the chat. Yeah, Arena is definitely dead in the water because it's just simply not uh, in the game right now. Doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna ask a, a couple of questions regarding leaks. So um, we do, we don't really expect any of those, but we would be uh, yeah we, we would be crazy not to ask. Try we have anyway. to try. Yeah, we have to try. So what's the status of the the Golden Necker project, and uh, when can we expect some some more information about the the project in general? About Golden Necker. Golden Necker specifically, yeah. Soon TM, would you be satisfied with this? I mean, uh, we we are on every open previously. We uh, had some teasers and leaks related to this. Uh, this open, as far as I know, won't be uh, an exception. So uh, you can expect something there. And yeah, in general, as we are kind of you know approaching approaching the second half of the year you can expect you know, more things to be revealed soon yeah so we're we're looking forward to the next open for uh, for more information then um yeah it's it's not 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 that much time left to wait it's uh, next weekend already right yeah indeed 
Um, and and will will there be any ties to Gwent directly in in regards of of shared uh, collections or or cosmetics that are tied to one another? Well, I, I don't want to go in specific, but yes, there will be uh, like some incentives, let's say, for uh, for players that uh, Gwent multiplayer players to to try out uh, Golden Necker. I mean, it's some, something we expected, of course. If if we if we can get Shoop in Cyberpunk, then uh, there yeah, there will be something. It, it's true that on the, on the company level, there was like a, you know a bigger push to kind of build more interconnections uh, between the games we, which were releasing. But for Gwent and its satellites, such as Thronebreaker or Goldenacker, uh, we we started going into this direction even before it was kind of the official so yeah that, that that's for sure uh it works so we uh, will continue with it all right and the way i understand it golden necker is going to be a separate game that you have to download and and likely pay for um, have you considered making the project a mode within gwent the, um, similar to how Path of Champions functions in uh, Legends of Runeterra? Yes, but it's not the mode. But, uh, okay, so you did consider that option that it could be a mode, but it's not going to be a mode. Yeah, I mean, I mean, sure, like the, there's always, uh, you know, there's always uh, a consideration for pretty much any existing ways of delivering the content right uh, so obviously we went through like the process of evaluating all of them and yeah i, I i'm really afraid I'm, I'm going into this spoiler territories but like we we evaluated this option and it just didn't work for us like let's say from the technical uh standpoint feel free to spoil we are not going to tell anyone <laughs> Sure, but I'm not so sure about, you know, 96 people uh, watching us right now, so, you know, I have to be careful. I mean, it's going to be on Reddit anyway. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, we, ha we had the question before in chat already whether uh, Arena was dead, but uh, we have something mm -hmm. that replaced that, of course. Um, yes. So what's the, the future of uh, Draft mode? What's the future of Draft? Well, uh... We're not super happy with uh, like how draft is doing, and I think players would would agree with this uh, sentiment. I think there are probably a few diehard uh, fans of the new system, but there is also like a lot of people who are correctly criticizing it. the The biggest problem is actually in the way how it was uh implemented implemented uh, in the first place and uh, like what it actually takes to uh keep it updated right mm -hmm. so like the, because the system that was used for for its development for its design was arguably overcomplicated that made made it very difficult for us in the present day uh to to keep it uh, pretty much fresh and updated with every other regular update it, it's kind of like you know always would require a huge extra effort, which would otherwise take away resources from 
releasing new cards, doing reworks, so basically doing normal design uh, kind of work, and it would require shifting focus. So our solution to this is to uh, rework, let's say, the, the internal tools uh, used in order to uh, manage draft, change uh, you know, the, the packages, uh, making sure that all this kind of maintenance of the mode is, is um, going well. Once it, it will be done, which unfortunately I can't share the, the ETA with you yet, it's uh, kind of will, will depend on other priorities as always. Uh, but once it's being done, I hope it will be a significantly much smoother sailing from now on because it won't re it will be basically a kind of a uh, um, task which could be done alongside other things with with no major commitments, you know, to drop anything out of the scope just to fix draft. So yeah, I'm sorry for for players who were you know expecting maybe more drastic and uh, fast changes there, but. Uh, this is one of the things which I'm also not happy when you were previously asking about, like how we're going according to the roadmap. Well, draft was not exactly on our roadmap uh, per se in terms of like you know make draft great again, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's not progressing as fast as I wanted to. I think it's it's basically the biggest victim of the fact that you're so regularly changing abilities of existing cards, right? Mm -hmm. No, I'm obviously like we we can we can do everything right like mm -hmm. or not not everything anything but not everything uh, because that would imply that we need to sacrifice you know certain things to focus on others. Yeah. Um, and then in regards to the 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 other modes, so we have seasonal, which rotates mm -hmm. a lot of different ideas. Do you keep track of how popular each of these ideas are, and are you thinking about making some of them? Permanent, for example? With seasonal, uh, we do recognize that there are some, let's say, goods and, well, not, not good and bad, but rather like, you know, popular and less popular uh, modes. Like, they're not equal. Uh, there are some which are problematic from the perspective of just, you know, the meta of particular seasonals being solved. And they're just, you know, impossible to play without certain cards or combos to be included. And uh, we're aware of that. Uh, it, it's kind of, you know, in the same bucket with draft when it comes to priorities. But um, like the, the solution which uh, we were discussing with the team is that maybe we should uh, at least disable some of the seasonals, which we believe are not adding much and people are mostly complaining about them instead of playing them, which uh, would be step one. And then like in, in the step two, we can actually do some reworks or uh, maybe introduce completely like brand new uh, rules twists to, to, to the seasonals. So like the, the full list um, of, of seasonal will be, will be different. Like to me, the seasonal is, is a nice, Kind of a, you know side attraction uh, that 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 players might see as a as a way to complete their quests, but maybe also just to try something you know like a flavor of the week kind of thing, which is uh, not available uh, in a serious ranked mode. Sounds okay. good. I have two quick follow up questions uh -huh. uh, regarding regarding modes. And the question number one comes from chat. Have you ever considered? 
uh, adding a ladder to the draft mode? I think that was that this idea was on the table. I I don't want to you know to um, give you wrong information there if we are planning to do that or not, but it definitely was discussed at some point. So bear with us when we will be able to you know to talk more about this topic specifically uh, to deny or confirm it. But it would be nice, right? And, and, and considering that uh, quite a few people said uh, Arena is dead, uh, have you ever thought of making, maybe bringing it back? Personally, yes, but it's not that easy, right? So uh, I also had this genius idea, like maybe we, we can just bring Arena, you know, maybe even let Arena and Draft coexist and, you know, like the, 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 the better mode wins. Uh, but uh, it's, it's not... It's not something that we can just, you know, press the magical button, we'll be back uh, immediately. So no, no such plans for now. All right. Uh, so I think we, we arrived at the, at the end of this very Gwent-specific segment, but there's one more question I'm, I'm going to ask, and it's going to be about The Witcher 4. Uh, what are your expectations when it comes to the development of the new Witcher game and its potential impact on Gwent's popularity? No comments. I expected no, that no, answer. No. Yeah, no comments here. Okay, um, there, there's a lot of questions in chat about, you know, uh, rent-free confirmation, stuff like that. Can you give us anything regarding the Black Sun expansion? Any any small leak doesn't have to be visual. Uh, let me think. No, you, you know I don't want to give you leaks not because I'm uh, I'm a bad person, but I really don't want to take away anything from the reveal campaign. Uh, I really mm. like the the fact that. Uh, we're doing reveals uh, involving the community this time again. And I also really like the video format, which we tried, you know, last open. Uh, and, uh, oh, I, I see I see the, the question. I, I can give you one, like, trailer won't be released tomorrow. No, we will release the trailer with the release of the expansion. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a release trailer. Yeah. I have maybe one more question about the infused keywords specifically that doesn't involve the, the reveal campaign. Mm -hmm. Will it also be added to existing cards like you did with the, the timer keyword? Just to mm -hmm. like rephrase certain abilities? Yeah, it's really hard to explain how, how it works without, you know, giving you particular examples. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, like in, in fusions, will work with all Gwent cards, like as long as like, uh, you know, maybe, maybe if Infusion has a very, you know, strict limit, like well, which cards can or cannot be infused. Other than that, there are no other limits, right? So like it, 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 this, this mechanic is, is a very unique in a way because it's not limited by its nature to, to the new cards only. And would it? I'm assuming it doesn't work on veiled units then, 
since fail blocks infusion was a status effect, right? That is correct. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there was a question in chat uh, about the rapture keyword. I'm 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 pretty sure that's that's more of a mm-hmm. question that could be asked to a member of the balance team, but. Let's ask it for the sake of it. Uh, will we get more cards with the Rupture keyword? Not with 10.7, I can tell you this. Uh, as of, uh, like, will there will be more eventually? Maybe. I mean, we have the keyword, right? Like, yeah. It would be a shame not to use it at all. I, I personally like... Said... Yeah, go on. Yeah. Uh, I was, was going to say that there's also, you know, something... Uh... Something you know special in the way that only one card does it. Like there, there's, there's, uh, yeah, there, there, there's something cool about this. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say actually. That it's pretty cool that there's only one card with that keyword. Yeah, um, it makes it really special. Oh yeah, and Turk V is a good, good lad. It's, it's a proper chat of a card. Everyone lo- loves Turk V. But moving on to uh, competitive Gwen, and once again, we are going to open with a question from chat. Uh, I'm not sure if you can uh, make or announce this kind of commitment. Competitive plans for 2023. Are you planning a competitive season in 2023? Um, we, unlike you know, other activities, usually our competitive plans are not locked that early. Um, Right now, we were still, you know, the 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 plan is to kind of make sure that all the the events from from this year are successfully executed. Uh, we also have this like one innovation in the roadmap, which um, we need to come back to, I guess, pretty soon. Which is this, um, what's the name of the tournament? Uh, it's not not last chance, but um, yeah, I forgot the name. Uh, so, like the they in sometime in November we will have the uh, the special qualifier, so to say, uh, that will will uh, give final spots to to Grandmaster. So th- this is something which we never did before, and uh, that that would be a big challenge in itself. Uh, yeah. Other than that, I think as always with Gwent, like closer to. Q3, maybe Q4 is, is when, uh, when uh, we will have more information about the competitive plans. Because, you know, our, our competitive plans are also going, especially this year, hand-in-hand hand with our content release schedule. So it would be unwise to kind of start planning one thing without a uh, full understanding of how the schedule looks on the other side. Understood. And what about the your your current position regarding offline tournaments? Can we expect their return mm-hmm. soon? So this open happens in the online format. The, 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 this was confirmed. Uh, when it comes to the upcoming tournaments, I think the if we're talking about chances here, I think uh, the the masters have uh, the the biggest chance of, of being uh, hold on. Uh, Offline, not online. I uh, will see about that, right? Uh, I would say I, I answered this, this uh, question a few times this year already, so I kind of, you know, have it rehearsed. Uh, the problem is um, this is quite a certain situation with, uh, like, with pandemic in the world, right? Like, it's in, 
yesterday it was only COVID, today is that also monkeypox and whatever, right? Like, I, I don't know what to expect there, Like right? we, we were, uh, for us, it was a shift in paradigm when we, we started with offline only major events and the assumption was like, it's impossible to do it other ways. Like it's, it's uh, like, no, no we, we need to make it offline. And it was the, the paradigm we, we lived on for a very long time, myself included. Then with the start of COVID, we had to, you know, completely rebuild our, our approach to this and kind of completely also rebuild our processes and uh, the ways we're, we're doing things. So if the decision would be made that we are going back to offline, that would might require a bit more than just a decision, right? That would require some extensive preparation for us to uh, kind of remember uh, all the, the learnings and all, everything um, from, from a past experience with offline events. Um, and yeah, sure. The, the most important thing is like the safety of the participants. That that's what we always were, um, and, and the production crew, the the thing that we cared the most. So fingers crossed. All right. Um, one more question uh, in, in the topic of of competitive Gwent. How do you see the future of of the competitive gameplay regarding its popularity or financial viability from the player perspective? You mean like uh, financial viability from player perspective is price pools? Yes. Essentially? essentially? Um, hard to say, really, because uh, it feels like some, some kind of a question which uh, we should ask players to, to to tell us like what do they think about like are they happy are they not the the thing is like is with with other things like with journeys i mentioned to you before like the the most dangerous things uh, or at least for us is uh, setting precedence right like when uh, we announced in 2017 our first season with 250k uh, usd price pool that was you know, a statement, a bold one. And uh, since then, like we, I would say, downscaled quite a lot. And uh, I, I understand, like, if, if people are, are seeing this as a point of a concern that, oh, it's not what it used to be. But uh, it was, you know, going, looking back up, it was not, not a sustainable move, right? Like it was, I mean, Artifact, they announced a $1 million tournament, which never happened, right? So that, that that's kind of... I'm not, not going to say unfortunate. At the end of the day, we, we had this tournament and uh, we had a winner. And uh, I hope that players who participated, they have a good memories and uh, they, they cherish their trophies from the first season and all that. But going back to, to the future uh, and, and also to the present, I do believe that the grand competitive scene is offering adequate uh, kind of support for players who are deciding to not saying dedicate their lives to Gwent. That would be maybe a bit too much, in my opinion. Just just because you know we we also planned the the competitive scene this year in a way that it will be a bit less demanding uh, from the time commitment perspective from the pros because we do realize our our, our initial uh, initial system was uh, too grindy. Right, like it was kind of a lifestyle choice commitment, almost like you either grinding every season, 
or you're out and you have no chance to, to play. I believe that the new system is much more forgiving in this way. It doesn't require you to, to sell your soul. It doesn't require you to, to have this unhealthy, uh, not, not work, life balance, but like game uh, life balance. Or in other words, it doesn't require you to treat this as work or as a job, right? And uh, I hope it will stay this way and it still will be viable for players. Like, you know, the money would still be something that would keep them motivated and uh, engaged with this. Um, yeah, like, it's, it's hard to say uh, or, or to predict what will happen, you know, years in advance, uh, specifically with the competitive side of things. I, I personally would like to, to see, to see it going and to support it as long as there is uh, interest in the community to play on this competitive level and to play in the tournaments. And to to for for the rest of the community to watch it as well, because um, the viewership is still pretty pretty high, I think, for the most of the tournaments. Most people don't realize that uh, the the numbers which we used to get in the in the first season, like, and we we had some crazy numbers, right? Like, I'm talking about like top ten, maybe even top. Top eight, maybe of, of Twitch, uh, etc. It's not, you know, only the the merit of uh, like how how popular was the game overall. Of course, all that, sure. But um, like back in the day, also the the strategy was to promote these events with marketing money. So it means that like we we were advertising them uh, quite heavily and quite significantly, and. I, I can tell you that, like from from the let's say financial standpoint, that was not a very good uh, investment. That that's why we stopped doing this at some point. So I'm, I'm I'm happy to say that the numbers which we're getting, those are like absolutely uh, organic numbers, which uh, like we we're happy to get because we know like all of these are real viewers people who are interested in watching and of course like you know we will continue to 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 do twitch drops and we will continue to do some interesting stuff like uh the prediction uh divination contest for, for masters etc so we want to create these incentives uh to uh for people to watch but we don't want to you know to pay money to to drive traffic to, to our twitch page because it doesn't give us anything at this point yeah well, it's good to hear that those numbers are within expectations then for the... Oh, definitely. Uh, definitely. Um, if, if we look at the, the competition, right, like uh, apart from, once again, the tournaments, which are obviously being heavily promoted like we used to do, uh, in, in this segment, in this genre, I think there is nothing to be you know, ashamed about. Yeah. All right. Um, maybe one more question that's not really a, a competitive question, but uh, is there any chance for the... the partners open to return i i think so uh the the question is to to the people who will organize it which means uh, probably it's like Rapic, uh, ryan or buja in our team uh, simply the ones who will you know do all the uh, all the work my understanding is it's not happening only because we are like super busy with uh other things and um also on the competitive side of things, uh, the qualifiers and, and opens, but 
if there will be a chance for us to maybe when things will be a little bit more quiet uh, to drop it, I think it's, it's a great idea to, to let partners to play in this very unique kind of format of a tournament. Yeah, sounds good. Um, okay, I think that wraps up the, the competitive side of things. Um, if you would indulge us for a little bit more, we have some more personal questions as well. Sure. Um, so the first one is, as you, you were, were wondering about your road to becoming uh, the director of Gwen. So how did you start out at uh, CDPR? Uh, sure. I started uh, back in 2017 as an esports manager. That, that's why, you know, kind of historically, uh, I'm getting all the esports questions and I'm also very passionate about this subject uh, because I, I built it myself. Sure, like at CDPR, they already had a couple of tournaments before I came on board uh, that they done in partnership with, uh, with other companies. But the idea was to kind of grow our home expertise, in-house expertise on uh, how to do stuff, uh, how to Im improve processes, and eventually how to take it in-house. And it was done. We, we had some, I had a really great fun and uh, had a privilege of working with uh, basically the, the, the same people that I'm working on, uh, working with now on all opens and masters, our, our, our crew that is uh, during tournaments. We had a lot of fun back in the days with this like big flashy tournaments and exotic locations and whatnot. Uh, so that was super cool. Uh, then eventually, uh, I was asked to take more responsibilities on the PR and communication front because before um, I, I started to be a sports professional, I, I used to work in PR in different companies. So that was kind of a natural thing. And uh, I accepted these responsibilities. And as it sometimes happens, or at least often happens with me, uh, the responsibilities uh, have a tendency to pile up. So uh, on top of the of, uh, communications, uh, all the live ops, communitization uh, and uh, events uh, kind of thing uh, was also dropped on me. And uh, that, that's how I become uh, live ops director uh, of Gwent. And that was my final position before uh, Jason Slama left the position of um, game director to pursue other opportunities within CDPR. And uh, yeah, that, that's that's here we are. It's been a, a big challenge to also just, I mean, going from live ops to the full game director. How do you how did you handle the the extra aspects that were coming into your well, work package? Fortunately, uh, no, it definitely was a challenge. Don't get me wrong. Uh, fortunately, mm -hmm. live ops was already such a huge chunk of uh, what we do that I kind of already felt uh, that. I kind of run the 50% of the operation with exception of such areas as game designers and art and uh, pro programmers and then whatnot. So for sure, it wasn't that easy or it wasn't overnight uh, transition for, for me to kind of know, get comfortable with uh, these areas and understand all the processes and making sure that we're on the same page with the team, etc. But, you know, I wasn't alone in this. Uh, I was helped both by Jason, who was you know driving this transition, but also by our 
wonderful uh, product owner, Ola Rutkowska. You might remember her for some of the streams with Buja and before that with Jason. Uh, she's awesome and she's doing a lot of um, unseen work behind the scenes, uh, also uh, of making sure that um, a lot of live ops topics actually are being moved forward, as well as the development, as well as the monetization. Uh, so that that gives me a peace of mind. So yeah, it, it, it's been a process, but it was fun. It was fun to learn new things, and uh, I'm happy how it how it all turned out. Uh, obviously, Jason left um, quite a mark on Gwent as as the game director. Oh yeah. So, um, how do you view and handle Slama's legacy, so to say? Well, though those are you know uh, really enormous uh, shoes to fill, right? Uh, there is no doubt uh, about that. I I treat. Uh, you, you know, my my time as a game director is that instead of kind of driving a revolution, I'm saying like uh, my plan and what we're doing right now is a kind of a next step and logical evolution of what was started uh, with Jason. The processes of uh, we we also you know kind of mentioned the communication aspect, right? Like the fact that game director is out there. Engaging with the community, not not hiding in the ivory tower. All of this was already started with him, and I really, really uh, appreciate and enjoy this approach. So that that was cool. Um, apart from that, well, um, I, I guess like you know, it, it helps that we were still in touch, right? And uh, we we can uh, still eventually meet and discuss things. And uh, like the the fact that Jason's still working uh, at the CBPR helps a lot with kind of uh, making sure, for example, that uh, his his legacy is is indeed lives on because he 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 can still you know come with some advices for example and I would definitely listen to them because uh he started the the most successful transformation uh, in Gwent history where it went from a very sad place to uh, to to the very successful one so yeah that that can be discarded for sure all right and um Maybe more in specifics towards what what you're doing on a day to day basis. So as a as a game director, mm -hmm. what are your daily tasks on an on an, an an average day, without going into specifics, of course. But um, well, you you already know about esports. Uh, I was never really able, and not not that I tried too hard uh, for this to to kind of pass this responsibility onto some someone else. Sure, we had a whole team that helps. With these topics, but uh, still, like for for the decisions and for like the the, the general direction, people are coming to me with uh, with questions. So I, I have embraced this, and uh, that's actually fine. Um, there are many many meetings, of course, right? Like meetings with pretty much all the departments, all the leads. Uh, we have meetings in which we're discussing the upcoming uh, releases and if we're on track with anything, with everything. Um, we have a meetings more of a brainstorm uh, kind of style in which we're talking about like 
you know, new ideas, new features uh, to implement and uh, when to implement those. Although it must be noted that these meetings are, are normally happening, you know, kind of maybe at one period of the year. And then we're, we're trying to lock these ideas early and just stick to the plan as opposed to constantly shifting it. Otherwise, like nothing will be done ever. Um, and I guess there is also quite a lot of paperwork, right? I think most people don't imagine that, uh, you know, being a game director also means like, you know, to deal with a lot of kind of formalities, which uh, like, I think typical for, for pretty much any, any manager anywhere in, in other uh, industries. Mm-hmm. But maybe, maybe I'm. I have a. I have a feeling. I have a suspicion. I never. I never worked in any other industry apart from the game industry uh, since I graduated. So I don't know. But I have a feeling that we were blessed with having not as many, uh, as much paperwork, and as in banking, for example, or I don't know, in, the, in other industries. So can't complain, really. Yeah. Um, well, the the next question is one I. I, I personally added because I'm, I'm a software developer myself and I was wondering how you go about testing and approving new features like mm-hmm. uh, especially with new cards are, are is testing done automatically manually or both because there's a lot of interactions I can imagine how complicated that gets especially with the card pool we have right now how do you deal with that you mean our, our QA process so to say basically yeah well, uh, we have a QA team. Uh, they, they're running, you know, their their magic, and they have like different kind of tests uh, they're running. It's important to remember that uh, apart from uh, the tests, which are well, th- first of all, to, to start from the beginning of the process, there are different kind of tests where we're running, right? So first of all, when designers are doing stuff, they're testing their their own work. That's really important. That's actually a super important principle. Uh, that we're trying to emphasize uh, everywhere else, that uh, they're able to you know, narrow down the problems and they're not you know, pushing it over some other department to, to do uh, their job, but they're instead actively testing it themselves and they can actually also have the technical knowledge to go and correct uh, things which are not working properly. Uh, once it's all done and we, we need to kind of prepare for the release, um, that's where our awesome QA team is stepping in, and that's where they are starting to test different things. Um, and it's important to point out that uh, we are a multi-platform game, which means that every platform needs to be tested separately, and that's uh, that's a quite big undertaking. Like comparing to what we used to have back in 2017, even right, or like in the beginning of the era, uh, we have more platforms were available on right now than we used to, even considering the fact that we uh, decided to move away from consoles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, testing on consoles is a separate topic. So yeah, like the... I don't know like how, how much into details uh, I can go, but uh, the, the process is, is really, really... Um, like it's... it's um, Sophisticated, yeah, that, that's mm-hmm. the word. Um, and, uh, I mean, especially mobile is also, also from experience, it's a, a, a 
terrible platform to start testing on every single type of device and every type of OS that's available out there. Um, well, that 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 this kind of test we we did extensively during the you know before the, the release on on every platform. Like these days, uh, we were not like absolutely verifying that you know that the update will be working on like the whole lineup of all Android phones devices available in the world. That would be probably impossible even. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but of course we are very uh, mindful of. Uh, the issues, like for example, we, we did have a problem with Android recently, where uh, the the new version of the uh, operation system was uh, released, and it actually led uh, led to the spike of crashes on, on multiple Android devices. And it was quite problematic things for us uh, with very long uh, the rep- repro step. Uh, process, uh, etc. But at the end of the day, we managed to, to get to the bottom of this and find the, the root cause and fix it. But, you know, it, it's, it's never easy. With Gwent, like, the one thing is solved. Another thing, uh, because maybe, you know, next, next time Apple will release uh, update. And then here we go again. The, the full circle, completely different problem. Uh, there, there you go. So no rest for the weekend. No, indeed. Um... We have a couple more questions about your gaming habits in, in your free time mm. with this. We already talked a little bit about your uh, pro rank adventure. Uh, so to follow up on that quickly, do you still play Gwent on a regular basis? Regular, yes. I, I can't say, well, especially with the vacation and like I think the, the recent disruption of my uh, daily routines, uh, I, I'm, I'm not as active as I wanted, of course. Like I'm, uh, I'm playing on PTR, and uh, I'm, I'm actually. I think last month I played more on the future version of Gwent than than on the live one, which is not not something uh, you know not not typical balance for me because I, I like the sense of progression. I like you know climbing on the ladder and, and playing with um, uh, with with matchmaking uh, and not not with uh, with PTR participants. But yeah, last month was. Um, Oh, this month actually well, was different in this regard. Uh, obviously, with the release of the expansion, I'm planning to put some 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 quality time into uh, improving my ranking. Who knows? Maybe maybe even reach out the pro rank again. Why not? That would be fun. So yeah, Gwent uh, is still on my menu, but that's not that's not the only game I'm playing on the on the regular basis. Uh, I'm trying to, to keep up with uh, competition, more or less, uh, trying pretty much all other major CCGs from time to time, sometimes physical too, like Magic. We're always talking about uh, Magic with all tweak guests, and we had this long-established tradition of playing you know, drafts in the physical format in the office from time to time, so like we, we all love this game, and we were constantly uh, coming back to it. Um, Recently, I've played, uh, I like strategy games, right? That's, that's I, one of the reasons why I like Gwen so much, because to me, this is maybe like the most strategic card game out there. It's, I think, if you think about it, like there is so many elements of war game into Gwen. Like, first of all, this is a game of two battles, battlefield clashing, right? It's not just some random monsters, you know, attacking each other on the... Uh, on some like random location, this is actually 
kind of war game simulation, just instead of like units or instead of the uh, hexagons, you're, you're playing cards uh, on the table and these cards are interacting with each other, but those are armies, right? Period. So that, that's really cool. Uh, so Alex Strategist, I recently uh, was very positively surprised by Forex uh, uh, strategy uh, from uh, Mohawk uh, games called Old World. It's like civilization, but you know, with uh, only the the uh, old ancient uh, eras are available, so you can't go to to rockets and uh, to Mars uh, population. But uh, the, the game was, was very solid and very cool. And uh, another uh, game I'm playing on a semi-regular basis these days is uh, uh, Dead by Daylight. What I like about this is uh, because it's a very good example of asymmetrical gameplay. I, re I really like the, the fact that you know there are two roles in the game and those are completely different with completely different objectives and playstyle and everything. Second, it's a live game as Gwent, so I'm kind of curious, you know, the, the live ops component that they have is uh, interesting to study. And third, as a horror movies fan, I kind of dig the setting, right? So that, that, that's pretty cool to, to play as a pyramid hat, for example. Is, uh... yeah, well, uh, there's no new, no new Silent Hill, so what, what, what should I do, right? There is no other option. I mean, this caught me by surprise. I did not expect you to play Dead by Daylight. I'm full of surprises. <laughs> oh yeah, that you are. But this actually exhausts the list of questions we prepared for this episode. So I think it's safe to move on to the shameless plug segment in which you can tell our viewers where they can find you if they wish to do so. Sure. So I think uh, you can find me most of the time when I'm not... Uh on playing Gwent on ladder on Twitter. So Thor Serpent uh, is my uh, nickname there. And uh, same on uh, Reddit. And Twitch, it seems. Uh, on Twitch, it's slightly different. I think I have this kind of underscore. Yes, it's uh, Thor underscore reason. Serpent. Yep, yep. OK, Vlad, thank you for being on this episode. Thank you for all your insights and ans answering all our questions. Thank you for inviting me. It was cool. Uh, I hope you guys are ready for the reveal season. Uh, I'm definitely ready. We're definitely oh, we definitely are. For that. Okay, Trovinat, your time to shine. Where can our viewers find you? Uh, it's uh, basically just my, uh, my, my handle here as well. So Trovinat, so that's T-R-O-V-N-U-T on both Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. Uh, Twitch, I do whatever I want to play. That's Gwen, sometimes some other stuff. Uh, and on YouTube, it's mostly Gwent uh, deck guides or some opinion pieces um, that are always respectful, right? <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Yeah. Okay, guys. Uh, when it comes to me, twitch.tv slash Weisenberg, uh, Twitter at Weisenberg, M-O-N. And I'm just going to remind you that this episode is going to be uploaded on our YouTube channel, Merchants of Novgorod either later today or tomorrow. And the same goes uh, for Spotify and a number of other platforms. So maybe it's uh, it, it's worth it to keep an eye out when it comes to our Twitter at Novra Podcast for all the upcoming announcements. 
And yeah, once again, uh, guys, thanks for the episode. Chat, thanks for asking questions and staying with us. We'll see you in two weeks for a more uh, review-oriented episode. Uh, so yeah, enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and we'll see you guys later. See ya. Have a nice Bye -bye. day, everyone.